We're back with the queen of Tuesday night and her guest. This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. And let's talk about it with Jenny White. Tonight, we're going to be talking about death. Are you prepared for death? And when you plan and prepay your funeral, you lock in costs at today's rates. Of course, you can plan your funeral arrangements without playing paying in advance, or you can set up an installment plan, but paying now avoids years, if not decades, of inflation. Have it your way. Planning your own funeral means that the ceremony and burial will go according to your wishes. You can dictate the size of your headstone and its inscription the location of your interment, and everything else, meaning you get to tell your life story your way. Ease the burden on your loved ones. Death of a loved one, even if it is expected due to illness or old age, is still a traumatic experience. When the time comes, your loved ones will be in a delicate emotional state. You can spare them the additional stress and grief of planning your funeral by doing it yourself in advance. And okay, that's pretty good, pretty good advice. And we're going to talk about our co-host, Mr. Coleman. How are you tonight? Good. Hey, Jenny White, how are you? I'm good. We're talking about being prepared for death. And we have a guest, and our guest is Miss Dorothy. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, and you? I'm fine. And you want to talk to us about being prepared for death? Um, yes. Um, oh. I, I know that you all have noticed that I haven't been on for the past couple of weeks. That's because um, the angel of death has revisited my family over and over and over, three times in 
less than a month. The deaths were unexpected. One was my niece was killed um, and 16 days later her brother passed. Prior, The week prior to her, to my niece passing, my cousin in Ohio passed. And for my, my cousin in Ohio, it took them three weeks to bury her because no one could find any of her insurance papers or no one knew anything. Um, with my niece, it was unexpected. Um, I know everyone heard about the barricaded young man that killed his mother and her boyfriend. That was my niece. She was my only niece. And my only nephew passed 16 days later, and they both have the same parents. Um, With my niece, after she was killed, no one could get into the house. The police kept everyone out of the house to even see where her insurance papers were. We knew that she had insurance, and it was through her job, but... They wound up, my brother and uh, his ex-wife, wound up paying out of pocket to bury her. They just, that's, she's been gone for three weeks now, and they were just allowed in the house this week to get in there. My nephew had sickle cell disease. He checked into the hospital a week ago, and... um Just give me a minute. That's okay. Take your time. All of us have certain things that we can't hold in. He had been running around with both his parents trying to set up the arrangements for his sister. And every day I would call him and check on him because I told him, I said, you know, you've had sickle cell all of your life. You need to tell your parents that you need a day off because the stress alone of losing your sister is enough to take down a healthy person. Well, that Saturday he called me and told me, I don't feel good. And I told him, I said, you need to go to urgent care. He went to urgent care, and urgent care told him to immediately go to the hospital. My brother took him, and they told him that he had pneumonia. And he kept telling them, I don't have pneumonia. I'm having a sickle cell crisis. Actually treated him for pneumonia for two days while he laid in the bed in pain. He passed this past Sunday. 16 days after his sister passed. So my family is, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just asking if you're going to do anything, please pray for me and my family. No one, my, my nephew had two small children. No one can find any insurance papers on him. So if you're not, Whatever that that you're doing out there in in life, 
please get insurance. We're not doing GoFundMes. I don't believe in GoFundMes for somebody that passed when I know that, um, like a friend of mine, uh, her son passed, but she was buying weed all the time. And I told her, the money that you take to buy weed, you should have been buying an insurance policy. So in my right mind, I can't give you anything because you're not a responsible person and you still have three other children. And if something happens to them, then you're looking for someone to bail you out. People have to learn to be responsible for their lives. And you have to get an insurance policy because you never know when you're going to go. That's written in the Bible. You don't know the day, the time, nor the hour. So you need to protect yourself and you need to protect your family members. Because to me, I would think to do a GoFundMe would be embarrassing. Um, We haven't buried my nephew yet because when they took his body to the funeral home, the funeral home questioned my brother and questioned his ex-wife, and they said, whatever they told you is not what they said. It's not what he's presenting. You need to get an autopsy. So today... Uh, the autopsy results came back, and they told my brother and my sister-in-law, lawyer up. They wouldn't tell them what they found. They said the lawyer would be able to do whatever, but lawyer up. So my brother is in bad health. He has cancer in two different parts of his body. And today he told me he he originally lived in Cincinnati. Uh, He moved there for his job over 30 years ago. And when he became ill, his daughter drove to Cincinnati and just popped up and told him, gather some clothing, Um, we'll come back for the rest, but you're moving to Detroit today. There is no argument no conversation, no nothing. This is what's going to happen. And my son went with her, so they both moved him back. And he and I lived together, (laughs) excuse me, until May of this year when she had just purchased her new home, her first home. She had just got her degree back in June. She actually has two children, and one is incarcerated now for her death. The other is just lost. She just started college in September. Um, She has no parents. Her father was never in her life, so the one that she always leaned on was her mother. And so now she doesn't have her mother, so now she's leaning on my brother, which is appropriate. You have to protect your children by getting an insurance policy. Because had my niece not been working, um, my granddaughter would have been, I mean, I'm sorry, my great niece 
would have been scrambling trying to figure out how to bury her mother if her parent if her her grandparents weren't alive. So I need people to be responsible. When we were growing up, I remember the insurance man coming to my mother's house every week to get his little payment. Payments can be made to insurance companies. People don't understand that you don't have, if they give you a premium, you don't have to pay it all at one time. Pay something. Stop making America responsible for you. Well, that's a good point that you're making. And I think a lot of people do do that. And they have started paying certain, you know, um, people that's uh, dairy people. (laughs) So, you know, they do that now, which takes a lot of it off the family when you've already, you know, paid for your for your um funeral. So I know that my co host knows a lot about that. You have anything to say, Mr. Coleman? Yeah, I'd like to say first, uh my condolences to uh, Sister Dorothy and her family, I know, you know, from the tragic loss of her niece and then the subsequent loss of her nephew, uh, sometimes it seems like, uh, you know, it's just too much to bear. And, you know, it all, when it rains, it pours, and it all happens at, at one time. Um, so, you know, I really uh, send my condolences, you know, out to to the family. I know you all are dealing with a lot right now, and, um, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Because I know how hard that is for you as well. Um, But, you know, you are telling the truth when it comes to end-of-life planning and people being prepared too many times you know, families either have insurance, they don't have those conversations. Uh, so, you know, their loved one dies, they're responsible for burying them. And so, you know, because there's been no conversations, like you said, now people are looking for policies. You know, sometimes you find them, sometimes you don't. <laughs> so, you know, it's very unfortunate when people are put in that position. Um, having insurance, you know, and me being an insurance man, uh, I can speak on it from, you know, both perspectives, you know, as a as a parent and, you know, as a, an agent that um, – we all know that we're going you know, like they say, we're not going to leave here alive, you know, so everybody's going, everybody has an end date, you know, and like you said, we just don't know when it is, but we all know that we're going to pass away. So it, 
would be responsible to, at the very least, have enough put aside or in a policy to bury, you know, um, to bury yourself, you know, or your kids. Uh, You know, no one wants to think about burying their children, uh, but, you know, child writers, are very affordable, um, and you know nobody's trying to make money off of the kids. So normally, you know, someone would get maybe a ten thousand dollar policy on a child, you know, under the age of eighteen. So if in the event that something happened, you could at least bury your child. Now, if it's the breadwinner of a family, and um, you know they either have school-age children or they have children or they want to leave a legacy for their family when they pass, then they can get a policy for that amount and make whoever they feel is going to be responsible the beneficiary. Some people leave their life insurance policies to charities or to their churches as endowments. And so that's how... Uh, a lot of charities and churches continue to grow because of those endowments. Um, I don't know how often that's done in the black community, but I'm sure it is. Uh, maybe not as much as, you know, in, in the white community, but uh, our grandparents were faithful, you know, for having insurance. Yes, they um, were. And, you know, and I uh, started off as an insurance agent with a debit uh, account, which means, you know, I was going to the homes, you know, once a month collecting premiums. Um, and so, you know, there were some, some places that, you know, some people might not have felt comfortable going. But, you know, I... You know, never had a problem. You know, I would go to homes and people be out on the porch, you know, barbecuing, some people smoking weed, you know, some people selling drugs, you know, <laughs> but I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it was, you know, those are my people and our community and they knew I was the insurance man and I was good and, you know, I'd get me a couple ribs, you know, a couple bones and and, uh, you know, depending on what time of the day it was, drink a beer with them, you know. So it was all good. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's, it's good to have an insurance policy. And then, you know, it's good to review it. Some people get it and, you know, they never see the agent again or never talk to the agent again. But it's good to have an annual review where, you know, you go through everything to see if, you know, you want to make some changes, if your address has changed, uh, maybe your beneficiary changed, maybe you're no longer with, you know, the husband or wife you were with and you want to take them off your policy, you know. So uh, just reviewing the policy annually, and it gives the agent an opportunity to see, you know, um, his his, uh, clients, and it gives, you know, the the clients an opportunity to see their uh, <clears throat> their agent, uh, you know. So 
I think, and even with the prepaid funerals, you know, that's like putting a, that's like putting your funeral on layaway, you know. And I think that at that point, a person can have as much input as they would like into, you know, the way they want to be, you know, transitioned. They want, whether you know they could choose a casket if they want to be, you know, buried. They can make arrangements to be cremated if they want to be cremated, if they want their body donated to science, then those things could be made, you know, and those arrangements can be made as well. So it's an uncomfortable topic and conversation to have uh, when, you know, and sometimes it's like pulling teeth trying to get people together to have a conversation, and sometimes, you know, people just don't. You know, and so now, you know, your loved one's passed, you're responsible, you don't know where to start to look for for their stuff, for their insurance policies, so you can't find it. So now you got to come up with with six, seven, eight thousand dollars, you know, and and that's just unfair, but some people really don't care. And some people say, you know, hey, I'm not trying to leave anything to my kids, I'm spending all spending all my money, you know, and I ain't trying to leave nothing to them. So, I mean, if that's your prerogative, that's fine. You know, just make sure you got enough to bury, get, you know, bury yourself. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I think that that's very important um, because you never know what can happen. You know, it's a lot going on in the world. And, you know, you, I'm sure, you, know, you could have never imagined that, you, your family would be dealing with this right now. Um, and then, you know, that's the most vulnerable time. It's when you're grieving, you know, the death of someone, let alone two or three people at the same time. You know, that's that's the time, you know, Mr. Funeral Director can really stick it to you if you got an insurance policy. You know, I remember I buried my... I was responsible for burying my great aunt. And um, when I did that, uh, you know, fortunately, my cousin was, you know, owned, you know, some funeral homes. and So he told me I didn't have to buy the casket from the funeral home. I could buy the casket wholesale and have it shipped to the funeral home. So, you know, the $4,000 casket that the funeral home was trying to sell me, I got the same casket for $1,000. So they weren't real happy with that, you know, and I had it sent to them. Uh, So I was able to save that money just because of who I knew. Other than that, I had to pay whatever they were asking to put her away. Uh, But, you know... This still was, you know, a $6,000 funeral, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so uh, I think that it's very important for people to be responsible enough. And, you know, the earlier you get your insurance, the cheaper it is. You know, if you get a term policy, which lasts for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, maybe 40. I think some are going, some policies may go up to 40 years. With a term policy, 
you can get that. And the premium will stay level, which means it won't increase. So you get it while you're 30, you get it for 30 years, you know, you'll have that insurance for until you're 60 years old. Um, and hopefully, you know, by that time, um, you've accumulated some other assets as well. Um, because trying to get insurance, you know, at the age of 60 uh, is going to be extreme, extremely high. Oh, and, wow. You know, doing, well, it's going, to be, it's going to be much higher. I mean, you could have had a, you know, $300,000 policy and, you know, you got it when you were 30 and been paying, you know, um, $30, $40 for it. You know, but then you turn 60, 30 years later, now you got high blood pressure and diabetes, you know, and so that $30, $40 you were spending every month for 30 years, now that's going to jump up to, you know, $250, $300. Oh, wow. Okay, can we ask this person? You can come back, Mr. Coleman. Hello? Sure. Okay. So, uh, Ms. Payne, did you have something to say? <laughs> yes, I did. And uh, to Dorothy, I really missed you. <laughs> I was looking forward to you. And um, I'd like to express my condolences because it is a hard time, you know. Um, we have had death. And this last time, I'm like, I, my mother just died in November. We weren't expecting her to die, but um, it's, to come up with something is really difficult. My, my father, he died in 87, and uh, we were looking through all his little papers and stuff, and, you know, he was retired, and uh, so we called his job, and he had a policy. The job was able to bury him. Me and my sister, we just grabbed and hugged each other. We were so glad, and we were able to bury him, you know, in a, a very nice way. I remember I bought my father two suits so a little while before that. And so he was buried in one of the suits that I purchased for him for his birthday, you know, and all this. So, same time. Is that me or you? But anyway, but anyway, we was able to bury him. And it takes a lot of load off your mind when you're grieving like that. And uh, But my mother, but come to find out, we had to go through court because he died because he needed the bypass, and the doctor didn't give him a bypass. He sent him home, and about 16 days later, he was gone. So we sued for it. My sister, who's an attorney, she put in for it. And so the money came in around um, 91. Now, you know, my sister, who was my mother's guardian during this time, you know, when we, you know, we divvied up the money that we could, but my mother got the bulk of it. So what we did was, so they wouldn't bother her Medicaid or her Medicare, Medicaid I think it was, we put so much in it, what they call an irrevocable funeral agreement. And, you know, you can go through the, through the social services to do that. And there's so much money you can put aside just for her to be buried. And come to find out during that time, it came, I think it was in 91 that we finally got something. So um, we set it up for her, you know, and then, uh, we, with the money my mother got, you know, we bought her a new car. She got a car. I said, your husband's still taking care of you. See that? You know, she bought her furniture. <laughs> she liked jewelry. 
All I say, he's still taking care of, you know, one of them deals. And so, <laughs> you know, just glad, you know, about the whole thing, you know. Still taking care of you, you know, one of them deals. But when we came this past November, was November 5th, boy, and we weren't expecting her to die. You know, she had, we, she was up in the nursing home because of COVID, you know, and then she was 90 years old. You know, we were going to have a pre-90th celebration, a 91st celebration. But anyway, um, we had to put her in the house and there uh, just before COVID hit. And um, uh, November 5th, they come calling me saying, Mama's gone. I said, what do you mean Mama's gone? Where'd she go? You know, one of them deals, you know. They said that she had died. Boy, she was up at the, uh, right here at 10 Mile in Hoover. Every time I go past that, I say, well, hi, Mama, you know, one of them deals. But um, the irrevocable funeral agreement, I just not said, Lord, thank you. I don't have to worry. Everything is taken care of. Come to find out, now that's since 91, and this is 2021, so you know how long it's been. It builds up interest in things like that. When we got to the nursing home, my mother had picked out what she wanted in her casket back in 91. Come to find out, my sister, who was her guardian, she had already bought the plot. She come with this plot dated 1991. But there wasn't any money. No, no, I looked at the, wait a minute. What happened to the money, you know, that was in this uh, irrevocable funeral agreement? Because it goes through the bank and, you know, the banks change, you know. But, well, anyway, long story short, somebody got into it and, um, and spent the money. And so I'm sitting there looking stupid because I just helped my daughter out. I said, wait a minute. What happened to the money? You know, all this, one of these things. And um, the plot was already, when well, my sister and her husband, who was the guardian, they stood in for it. And then my other sister, uh, well, she put in hers also, you know, and we were able to put together a nice funeral. Like, I still owe my sister, my older sister, $1,000 towards that funeral, you know. And I said, I'm going to pay it before the end of the year. But I had other things to pay, too. But it was, it, it's something that just it threw me off. I sat there looking stupid in, in, the, in, in the, uh, the, uh, the um, funeral home. I said, what happened to the money? What happened? You know, and, you know, we, we know what happened. You know, somebody got, got their hands on it. Somebody broke into it, you know, and got their hands on it. It was just a little something. And I said, wait a minute, she's supposed to have more money than that, you know, because I worked for welfare for 37 years. I was so depressed when I went home, you know. And anyway, so my sister Brenda, she was saying, Lucy, how much? I said, I can't do anything right now. Not now. Because I had a big uh, something to take care of just before then. And she, I, but I told her, I said, I will put in a thousand dollars. She said, okay, and I'll look for you to pay me, you know. And, um, but um, I, I can understand the uh, pain. When you're in grief and then you're hurt, then your nerves, then your blood pressure, that, trying to bury a person. We got to bury it nicely and stuff like that. And uh, like I said, I'm going to pay my sister before the end of the year is out. I'll be dead uh, in November a year and stuff. But um, it, you can't really grieve. All you can do is sit there and be numb because you think that everything has been taken care of. So I told all my kids, I said, I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're doing. I want to know where everybody's policy is. You're working. I said, I'm, I even requested mine from the state. 
you know, from the state of Michigan. You know, I have something under the state of Michigan for me. And I'm going to give it to some reliable person so they'll know what, what just just what the deal is, you know. But uh, it was really hurt. It was, it's, that's something very painful, very painful. And, I mean, it's, it's really something. And um, I, I'm not going to tell you I'm over it yet because we thought we had everything together. And um, somebody got light fingers and, and got the money and used it for their own personal use. And um, that's all I got to say. It's, it, it's painful. It is. It really is to, um, you know, and um, it's just Well, let way, me ask you, know. you this. You said you think someone, someone got some money that was left for your mother? That was in an irrevocable funeral agreement. You probably hear more when you go to uh, social services. In order for them to keep their Medicaid and things, and you got an excessive amount of money, you have to put it, we wanted to make sure that she had her burial. And so they would allow you to do that. And there you sign all the papers, and the district manager, my district manager, signed it as irrevocable. She had to sign it, and it was in her case record. You know, since 91, you know, and she just died in 2021. You look at all the years, you know. But it builds up interest because it's something that's in the bank. You know, it's like a bank account that you can't, you're not supposed to bother. Okay, but what uh, and, uh, my question to you is, uh-huh. You have to have more than one person to get the money, right? You can't just let one person do that. Is that right? It comes. Um, it was going supposedly going to the nursing home, not nursing home, to the uh, funeral, because when the man showed us the paper, I said, "What's wrong with that paper?" No, that paper supposed to say more than that, you know. And, and so he would try to beat around the bush, but. We found out what had happened with it, you know. And um So it wasn't anybody in your and, family though that took the money. Yes. But that's yes. what why why I'm asking, didn't you have to have more than one person to be able to get the money? Now, apparently not. And this person was trying to put put it back, you know, put some back, but it wasn't enough. When by the time my mother when my mother passed, now the, the her pot was already paid for, because my you know my sister paid for it then, and my mother had picked out her casket back in '91, everything. But yeah, you know, we had to repick and things like that, but we all still had to chip in again, you know, chip in to make up what somebody else got. And um, well, we we know what happened, you know, when we got there. But um, okay, uh, is this person? Are they still playing back? No, the funeral is oh. over. We paid. We paid everything that should have been. You know, she, that person came up with you know something also, but uh, it was a bitter feeling. It was. Did they did they uh, say they acknowledge? Did it? No. Okay. No. No. Okay, no. Jenny White. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, an unfortunate situation, you know, when it's um, definitely yeah. 
Yeah, yeah but again, to Dorothy, know. my condolences. It's hard when you know. Uh, and it's like your family. family. It really is. It's your yeah, family. Thank you. That's the hard. It's very, very, yeah, very difficult. I, what What do you think about this Camp Lejeune thing? Um, my, my, I had a friend. Um, they keep sending me a notice about that Camp Lejeune. You know that oh, it was built. The water system. Uh, a lot of the soldiers. They yeah, keep, was your father? Was your father there? Your father my father wasn't there. Um, my brother may have been there. Did because Roy, well, he, you know, he got killed in Vietnam, not in Vietnam, but in a car accident in California. So I was talking to his daughter. She says I, I can't remember that Daddy was there. You know, but she was born in California. It could have been while he was still single at the height of the Vietnam War. He might have been in that area, but they keep sending it to me talking about pain. I said, I'm not no Marine, you know, all this. But I well, you, you need to look into it because evidently it's a big pot of money somewhere for anybody it is. That that is, I told her to uh, sit down and write, with, and then my uh, his wife, you know, she's still alive, but she says, um, you know, she comes and goes too, you know, we're around the same age. And um, I told her to sit down and write, explain to them, and send it to one of those lawyers. They can pick it up from there to see if he fits yeah, into cool. that category, you know, cool. all of this. But it, it is. But uh, they keep saying it to me. I said, now, wait a minute. I'm not no Marine. You know, they keep paying they, my telephone number. And I said, I sent it to her, you know, uh, his, uh, his daughter, to look into that. But um, my girlfriend, um, in fact, she was on our program before, uh, uh, Colleen, uh, Dr. Colleen Burkett. Her brother was in Vietnam. He was in that area. He has some sickness about him. And then his children, he's got about two or three children that's like mental or uh, oh, retired or something like that. Now, he has that. So I told him, I said, is he, is he following through with that? Because they keep saying, send it in, you know, all this, send it in and let them make that determination, you know. Right. But that's a big they keep asking, wait a minute, you know, let's put it in writing where we feel that he was because of my brother. He got killed in California in the car accident. He's buried in Riverside, California. You know, but then but then, uh, my uh, his son, when he was born, he was born with some type of retardation. Mm. And uh, his daughter, she has problems like she has, um, she has glaucoma, she has this. A lot of those things is wrong with her. So you don't know what the, the effect of what that stuff is, has done. I said, send it anyway and let them make that determination. So, um, but yeah, that's something that was, uh, yeah, let them look into it. Don't you make decisions. Send it there. Tell them what it is. Tell them who you are. Give all the information that we have and let them go for, go for themselves. Because they know a lot of those places that, that they give this for the night. And then what's so sad yeah, about it, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, her father, he was in um, World War II. Something happened where they did, gave him some type of medication or whatever, but it affected his mentality because he spent about, about 15 or 20 years uh, uh, in a mental state, you know, before he died, you know, and she talks about it. And um, then her brother, her brother, little brother, was born retarded. All of this, you know, things are coming out now. What's been happening, you know? So um, 
And then what happened with her brothers, too. I think she had two brothers that went to Vietnam. All this stuff, you know, it's, it's coming out. So that's something, too. I just wanted to share that. And thanks so much for listening. Because I'm still not over what happened at, you know, with my mother's funeral. We're thinking we got everything covered. And um, they it be that way sometimes, you know. But I had even written to the state about my my burial and stuff that I have, and I'm going to leave it with somebody, like I say, that has it. In fact, they were telling me that I could, with the money that I'm supposed to have, I can go to a nurse, uh, not a nursing home, but to a funeral, and sign it over. This is what I want to do. Before anything is paid out, I want all this taken care of. Then, after that, I know I just had a girlfriend. She was 90-something. It just died in June, and um, she worked for the state also. And uh, she said she had started paying on her funeral. But then when they went to bury her, the funeral home was complaining she just didn't make that many payments. But then the guy called me, and I put him in touch with the state and all this stuff. And so uh, I guess they kicked in because she had a policy with them. Uh, state employees are supposed to have a, a policy with uh, the uh, a burial policy that they still keep on us. That's all I just wanted to share. Thanks so much, and Dorothy, I still love you. I still love you. Believe me. I love you, boy. And I can Thank still feel. I can still feel. It is something else. It is. It really is. Thanks so much for listening. I thank you, Lucy, and I love you too. <laughs> Yeah, because it's rough. It's, it's you, you. You're not ready for you. You, you, you can't even grieve right. No, the only thing, thing that's right. The only thing that's carrying my family right now is God's grace and mercy. That's it. That's all we have. It is. That is true. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Boy, oh boy! Thanks so much for letting me share. Yes, you're always allow that and right now <laughs> I'm going to take a little break if you are in need of life insurance auto or, home or need help in getting out of debt call your hopeful insurance agents at Prime Financial Services did you know if you add a child rider to your life insurance policy you can add multiple children for the price of one starting at $10,000 worth of coverage for under $10 call today for a free quote at 313-293-0979. Mention you heard this ad on this show for a free gift. Hi, friends. I'm Dr. Mike Spaulding, inviting you to listen to great Bible teaching on the Transforming Word radio show and podcast. All shows are available on iTunes and Stitcher. Search for the Transforming Word and subscribe for notification of new shows. You may also listen to every episode from my website, www.thetransformingword.com. In addition to The Transforming Word, I want to make you aware of my interview, news, and opinion show, Soaring Eagle Radio. If you're interested in engaging conversations related to a variety of topics not covered by typical news media, then check out Soaring Eagle Radio. You may subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher, and you may listen to every episode on my website, www.soaringeagleradio.com. For more information on my ministries, please email me, Pastor Mike, 
at cclohio.com. Again, that's Pastor Mike at cclohio.com. Thank you for listening to these shows, and please leave me a note when you do. God bless you today. As an author, you understand the devastation of someone plagiarizing your work. But what if someone stole your identity? Protect yourself and your family with identity theft protection. Services include credit monitoring, credit reports and scores from all three credit bureaus, social security number, emails, credit cards, bank account monitoring, and social media monitoring from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more information, call 248 525 How do fantasy and sci-fi help make us into better people? And how can Christians best glorify our Lord Jesus Christ as we enjoy these stories? Also, where can you find the best fantastical Christian novels? Yes, they do exist, and we know exactly where to find them. From the creators of Lorehaven Magazine and from biblical Christian storytellers around the world comes a new podcast for readers of amazing stories. We call it Fantastical Truth. I'm E. Stephen Burnett. And I'm Zachary Russell. Our mission is to find biblical truth in fantastic stories. We apply the wonders of these imaginary worlds to the real world our Creator has called us to serve. Toward that chief end, we will find the best novels by Christian authors, fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. Together we will explore these stories in light of the gospel, and we'll join these authors and other creative friends on this joyful journey to find the happiness and holiness of Jesus by exploring His gift of truthful imagination. Please subscribe at lorehaven.com or on podcast players everywhere. Join us in this eternal quest to seek and find fantastical truth. And we're back to the Let's Talk About It with White Show. Okay, so we're uh, talking about being prepared for death. And then there is something that you can also prepare. It's an advanced directive called the living will. It's an advanced directive as a written statement detailing your wishes regarding medical treatment. The most common advanced directive is a living will, which is a document that assures your wishes will be followed, even if you're unable to communicate them. The greater the detail in your living will, the more likely is that your wishes will be carried out. Some of the possible care options to address in a living will include resuscitation, tube-feeding, mechanical ventilation, organ donation, and palliative care. A do not resuscitate DNR or do not intubate DNI order doesn't need to be included in a living will. This can simply be stated 
to your doctor at any time and record it in your medical record record. Set aside funding to pay for a funeral cost and be specific about the details. And I know a lot of us do not have living wills. I don't know. If you do, raise your hand so I can see it. <laughs> the average count cost of a funeral these days is roughly 6500 Setting aside a fund for funeral costs and having a plan as to how these funds should be allocated and by whom will minimize stress on loved ones. Okay, so how many of you, how many of us, I guess I should say, that we have the living will? Okay. You just said that a funeral is $6,500. How about over $10,000? If you have a family hour, if you have a family hour, that's $5,000. Right there. Wow. That doesn't include the casket. It does not include um, the embalming. It's $5,000 just for that. Wow. Be right. Right now, the cheapest cremation that you'll find is not under $1,600. Oh, man. Can you? Can you repeat that, please? <laughs> the cheapest cremation is not under $1,600. Well, I thought, well, I thought that if you were cremated, it would be cheaper. That sounds like more than a um, funeral, 16000 no, sixteen hundred, one thousand six hundred. Sixteen hundred. Okay, okay. Oh well, that's not bad. <laughs> well, it's bad when you don't have policy. <laughs> yeah, you're right about it's... that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Yeah, cremation it's... used to be. You know, you could probably get those for about $800. Right. Right. Well, when my sister passed. Well, when my sister passed in 2019, she passed from COVID. Um, She was the seventh person in the state to pass. The information that I found in the state. Oh, okay. She was one of the first ones to, to to pass, and for them to say that this is COVID. Um, at that time, I we couldn't find a policy for her, and she had always said she wanted to be cremated. And oh. I sat around and I called several different funeral homes, and the cheapest one I found was seven hundred dollars. And they were in Monroe, Michigan, and they came down and got her body because we couldn't find her insurance policy. 
cremated her and then shipped her back in a cardboard box. Hmm. All right. Ashes. Ashes. And it it stamped all over the box. Cremated um, remains. That's that's what was stamped all over the box. Wow. Wow. So even cremation is not cheap. And if you say you want cremation and a family hour, you're talking some money. And that doesn't even include the funeral, the actual funeral. Wow. Yeah, everything has gone up. And yeah, COVID, COVID sent everything wild. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, it's still going yeah. on. You know that, right? Yes. Well, COVID's here to stay. Yeah, COVID's not going anywhere. Hmm. Yeah, well, I hope getting boosters just like flu shots. Yeah, yes, they do. And I wonder is is the vaccination the reason half these people are going crazy now? <laughs> Elaborate on that. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> then half the cases I mean, of what we're seeing. Before this year, we didn't have a murder every day. You can't turn on a TV station and not find out that a kid has killed a kid, a kid has shot up a school, a kid um, has carjacked somebody and shot them, uh, kids breaking in on senior citizens and shooting them. We didn't have all that prior to these shots. Yeah, and violent crimes have increased. That's true. Yes, especially in the younger adults. Hmm. Well, I don't have those statistics as far as, you know, the age groups, but I know that um, you're right about the violent crimes increasing for sure. But you know what I yes. found out and just reading uh, it's a lot of the parents are killing their own kids. Yeah, right. well, that's in the that, I can't, I can't get that. I'm not getting that. It's in the that. Bible. It's it's in the Bible. That the kids would turn against their parents, and the parents would turn against their kids. Well, it's just all coming to pass. But, um, Mace, I did want to speak to you on another subject of hospice and palliative care. Yes. Can you please explain how palliative care is carried out in hospice? Can you go to a facility or I know you can do it at palliative care at home. Is there a facility that treats palliative care? 
No, palliative care is normally done wherever the person stays, and palliative care is basically symptom management, you know, for someone who has a terminal illness and is dealing with pain. Uh, palliative care um, wants to uh, manage their pain symptoms. So when you're on palliative care compared to hospice, you're still able to pursue aggressive treatments. So if, uh, for example, if you had cancer, you're still able to go get chemo or radiation. You're still able to do that. If you're on hospice, you're not able to pursue uh, aggressive measures for um, treating your disease. Uh, When you're on hospice, uh, the disease is allowed to go take its natural course um, and, um, you know, you're treated for palliative hospice is palliative care as well. So you're treated for uh, your pain, you know, or your, your symptoms to give you a quality of life uh, during that diagnosis. Uh, but uh, palliative care, just like hospice, is provided person stays. Now, on occasion, they do have inpatient units uh, where uh, patients can go, people can go for hospice, but it's really short term. So those people would probably not live longer than a couple weeks in those facilities. It's not a long-term care facility, uh, hospice inpatient unit. But if someone was able to stay at home, uh, hospice or palliative care could be provided. If someone was in a nursing home, uh, hospice and palliative care would be able to be provided as well. So um, hospice does have hospice inpatient units that um, you can go to, but they're uh, few and far between. There's not a lot. Um, And so I don't know that they're that profitable. Um, If they were, they'd be everywhere. They'd be like nursing homes, you know, but but, uh, palliative care. And, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a good service. Hospice is a, is a great service for people that qualify for it. They have to be diagnosed with a, a diagnosis of six months or less to live based on their terminal illness. And people have lived on hospice for longer than that. Some people graduate off of hospice because they get better, you know, or they or they plateau. The only way you can stay on uh, hospice is if there's a continual decline, whether it's weight loss or um, cognition, ADLs, activities of daily living, whereas you once you were able to um, put your clothes on and go to the bathroom, now you need assistance doing that, or you were able to ambulate from your bed um, to a chair, now you need your one-person assist. You need one person to help you do that. Or, you know, you were able to do it with the help of one person. Now you need two. So as long as there, you know, is a steady decline, um, you can be hospice appropriate. Um, 
And so, you know, it, it involves you have a nurse that will come out two to three times a week to see you based on your um, situation. Uh, and you have a home health aid, which is uh, available to come out to the house to assist as well with uh, cleaning the linen, changing the uh, grease if the person is incontinent and unable to go to the bathroom. You've got a social worker who is able to help you with resources uh, as well. Uh, and then you have a chaplain who, uh, for all intents and purposes, is non-denominational and able to pray with you if you don't have a church home or a pastor. Um, and uh, and there are um, also volunteers that can come and uh, sit with people. Um, during COVID, a lot of people weren't exercising the volunteers, um, but uh, you could have a volunteer that could come out just to be kind of like a sitter for a couple hours, you know, two or three times a week. And um, so there's a team of people, you know, that are on deck to assist with hospice. And it's 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, um, you know, if a person can have a DNR, which is do not resuscitate, which is if their heart or breathing stops, they won't, you know, they don't want anybody to resuscitate them. Uh, or they could be a full cold. That means, you know, if my heart or breathing stops, do everything you can to keep me alive. Um, that means calling 911 and sending me to the hospital. So, uh, you know, that's what hospice offers. Most insurances uh, offer hospice. Uh, most hospices accept most insurances. Um, Medicaid will pay for a womb and board at a nursing facility, so if uh, a patient uh, is to a point where they can't, they can no longer remain at home um, and they need to go into a facility, um, if they have Medicaid, Medicaid will pay for hospice and hospice will um, uh, pay for the room and board from the, pay, from the Medicaid payment. It's a pass-through, so Medicaid will pay hospice, hospice will pay the room and board. Uh, on some occasions, uh, depending on the person's income and status, there could possibly be a patient pay amount with the nursing facility if the person is in a nursing home, which means the family is responsible for a certain amount of payment every month. Uh, and that's normally because the person has, you know, certain assets above the Medicaid threshold and uh, they to uh, kind of pay that down. Um, so, so that's kind of what goes on um, when a family determines whether or not their loved one is hospice appropriate. A lot of people... Uh, feel that, you know, they sign up on hospice, you know, their loved one's going to die that same day or within the week. And sometimes that happens, but in most instances, that person was eligible for hospice six months to a year before they signed on. So it's not like they just signed on because it was on hospice. They died, you know. 
<clears throat> they were probably appropriate long before they got signed on. But if a person uh, is dealing with pain issues, um, then palliative care or hospice is definitely um, something that could be utilized as a form of treatment. It just depends on the goals of the family and the patient. Okay. okay thank you. You're welcome. We have learned a lot tonight. Well, maybe not we. I did. Some of the things that uh, I didn't know. So I'm uh, telling you those that had something to say. I appreciate you guys because you said something that kind of touched me. So now I know a little bit more now than I did before. So that's a good thing, whenever you can learn something. So right now I'm just going to ask if those of you that are or were talking, we're getting ready to close up, and I just want to know if you have something that you want to leave with us. So what do you think, Dorothy? I um, want to thank you for allowing me to use your platform tonight. No problem. And I thank Mace for his information, and Mace, I need to talk to you regarding uh, insurance. No problem. Um, I'll give you a call. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) And I want to thank Mace for the information regarding hospice, giving me a better understanding I thank Lucy for uh, coming on and sharing her family because sharing family isn't easy. Regardless That's of cool. what goes on, sharing family isn't easy unless they've pissed you off. <laughs> um, in, grieving, in grieving times, um, it's hard. It's hard. I have been angry with God all week long. And I didn't think I wouldn't get through it. But every day it gets better. Because I know that I'm going to see a brighter day. And my brother has lost both of his children. Those were his only children. And that's what he lived for. And I'm so afraid now that he's going to give up. Mm -hmm. And I need you to pray for him. And I want you to pray for the members that were like my niece that's left without a mother. And my my nephew who left a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. 
you know, it's, it's just hard. And I ask you to pray to keep the crazy people away from our family because they're coming out of the woodwork looking mm. for insurance money. And saying one person said that she was married to him and no one wow. was listening to him. So she came over here to my house and um, said that she was married to him. And so I said, well, okay, since you were married to him, you and I need to get in your car right now and go to the funeral home and tell them to take the billing out of my son's, I mean, out of my brother's name and out of my sister-in-law's name and put it in your mm. name because you're legally responsible for him, his okay. burial. And then she mm. stopped. Mm. So now we're afraid that she's going to come into the funeral and act a fool. Oh, no. Yeah. We're, we don't, we're not, my family is not that kind of family. Your family is normal. <laughs> we got to almost fight in the funeral home. My daddy died. And the woman was looking at everybody and tried to tap the paper, and she grabbed that paper and spread it out and put it there because there was a signature on it. <laughs> yeah, very normal, believe me. <laughs> okay. So I thank you, Jenny White, for this opportunity today. You're more than welcome. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And you are Ms. so welcome. Miss Lucy, do you have something you'd like to leave us with? Yes, I do. I have to talk to, to Miss, uh, the, uh, our co-host because I need some life insurance, and I'll be 75 Sunday. So you better have a good policy for me. <laughs> you better perform a miracle. Coming up. You say perform a miracle. All right. Oh, yes. The miracle man. Lucy, happy early birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Okay, <laughs> and, and Lucy, get him, get him before you turn 75. That 75 means something. Better catch him while you're 74. No, <laughs> I got to catch him. Okay. Within about six months of your birthday, or your next birthday. So a day before ain't going to matter. All right, Mr. Goldman, you want to leave us with something? What I'd like to do is uh, say a prayer for uh, Dorothy and her family. Yes. Um, Yes, So, you know, anybody that, that, you know, get offended from this, you know, now's a good time to hang up. Um, But Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank you for your goodness and mercy. Yes. All right. For keeping your arms wrapped around us, even in the midst of turmoil, rough yes. seas, and chaos. We ask that you wrap your arms around Dorothy and her family in these yes. trying times right now. With the deaths going on in her family, unexpected with the illnesses in the family, 
that are causing a lot of pain and strife. We ask that you bless the kids that are left behind. Yes. And wrap your arms around them so that they have an understanding and a and a path to your understanding and knowing that through you all things are possible. Yes. We ask that all things work out for the good of the Lord. We know that even in the midst of our darkest hours, that at some point there will be a brighter day. Yes. We ask that you help them during this grieving process, knowing that there is no expiration on grief. Yes. You know, people can grieve for years. So we ask these blessings in Jesus' name that yes. you look over the family and assist them during this trying time. Yes. These blessings amen. we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'd like to say that sometimes we must be hurt in order to grow. Sometimes we must fail to know. Sometimes we must lose in order to gain. Because some lessons in life are best learned through pain. And having said that, I want to thank each and every one of you that was here. I appreciate you. And I'm asking that you will have a good weekend and a better day. And having said that, I was, I'm going to say good night. And this has been Let's talk about it with Jenny White. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.